Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You saw the three-point play during Jorah's interview. Pat has eight points in six minutes. Yeah, he's looked good. Knocked down a three. A couple of hard takes to the basket. Catch and shoot wow. three. Just eight minutes. Well, between playing for the national team and conducting the workouts at his alma mater, Notre Dame, for the Notre Dame alumni this summer, he has come in camp sharp at Connaughton. Pat Connaughton. Why not? Why not? Four for four on triples, Pat Connaughton. 17 points. He's played 12 minutes. That brings a timeout, John Beeline. Knows a hot player when he sees one. Hey, if you've got a Pat Connaughton highlight reel available to be played, you play the Pat Connaughton highlight reel. Not just a member of this Bucks team, but also a Milwaukee real estate proprietor after he bought some apartments downtown. Yeah, drove by it last night. Oh, did you? Did yeah. you just stop and take a picture? No, no, I didn't. I just admired him. Hmm. No, no, no. Hey, the highlight reel, don't forget my boy Kyle Korver, man. He was drilling in some threes last night, too. And the closer of that game, a guy who's been criticized a lot, Chris Middleton. Wasn't Giannis closing that one out? That was old Mizzy, man. Taking it to the rack, little turnarounds in the lane, three-pointers from the corner. Uh, and George Hill off the bench. Many, many involved in that game last night, carrying him to the promised land. 129-112, Bucks beat the Cavs last night. You know, last year, after every game, we could talk about if Middleton's worth the, the max or not. Uh, it's that that conversation's dead. He got it. Thank God. He got paid and some. I know people still want to have the conversation after every single game, mm. but he's not going anywhere now. So knock it off. Made a nice pass to Giannis for the tip in for the tie game on Saturday. Beautiful oh, assist. <laughs> that was no. That was wait, an that was an air ball. That was a drawn up play. <laughs> I've seen it. Eric Name's seen it in practice too. That was a drawn up. Play. He joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. You can follow him, Eric underscore N-E-H-M, on Twitter. Coach Namesy. Names. Fellas, how we doing? Names. What's up? Names, great talking to you again. Um, all right, two and one at this point. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's really too much to complain about. Uh, there's, it's a long NBA season, uh, and I think that uh, you know we're going to see some – we're going to see more Giannis rest this year. And I, I, I told Bart, I said, if they would have won on Saturday night, they would have closed out Miami. I would have doubt if they would have rested him against Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think you're uh, you're too far off in thinking that there's going to be more rest days for him. Uh, I don't. I think maybe it's going to be like some of the back-to-backs uh, that, that you'll see that in. I know Joe, Joe Varden, my colleague at The Athletic, already reported that Kyle Korver is going to sit out at least one of the game of back-to-backs. I'm not sure if it'll be the first or the second, so uh, be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, they're going to be very careful about what they're doing with guys, and especially with Giannis and Chris and 
Brooke Lopez and Arsenio de Silva all playing in FIBA. Uh, all those guys had even shorter off seasons than most of the team, which had a short off season because they went so deep into the playoffs. So uh, they're, they're going to be careful with all that. They're going to uh, keep resting guys. And I got to say, I'm shocked that you say there's very little to complain about because uh, that, that's not the Bucks fan experience I get in my mentions. There's lots to complain about. There's always something to complain about uh, with the Bucks, even on a two and one start. You know, that's you you write about the Bucks for a living. Like, if the Bucks are doing whatever, we can at least talk about the Packers or the Badgers <laughs> or the Brewers. You are you are all Bucks, and we talked about it last week with you about trying to find different things because this really is. I mean, there's going to be like games that are interesting, like the Rockets won, and games where you uh, you blow a lead, you maybe should have won it, like the Heat game. But this is an 82-game preseason, and I, I, I want to see this team across the season. I want to see them figure out what's the best team that they can present themselves in the playoffs. For the first three games, it's just basically been we'll, we'll shut our guys out there, and, and they're going to start, and they're going to try to play, they're going to try to win. Do you think that we'll see switches with the starting lineup, or we'll see like, all right, DiVincenzo, you're going to get 20 minutes a game here for a couple of weeks. Because right now they've been playing it almost like they don't want to do what I want them to do. Yeah, I think it. Uh, that's the question that lingers over this entire season. Because if you watched what the Raptors did last year, uh, there were calls in Toronto for, I mean, essentially for Nick Nurse's head, where it was just like, what's he doing with this starting lineup? Why is Pascal Siakam playing in this way? Why are they playing small? Why are they playing big? Why did they trade for Marcus Saul? Why did they have Kawhi sit out this night? Like all of those things built up in Toronto last year, and then when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, when they got to the NBA Finals, they could throw their guys in a lot of different situations. And it wasn't the first time that those guys had done those things. It wasn't the first time that they had run the offense a certain way. It wasn't the first time that they had ran out a certain lineup. They had experimented with all those things during the regular season. And ultimately that meant instead of being the one seed, uh, they, they were obviously a lower seed. And I think that's going to be something to get, watch this season is a lot of people, I mean, this is something I questioned during the regular season last year. This is something that, I think we question when Mike Budenholzer got the job is he's very good at building a system. He's very good at building a foundation. Uh, he's very good at building the fundamentals that create a really strong team, but having that adaptability, having that offensive diversity, having a defensive game plan that can do multiple things. That's when people question Mike Budenholzer and wonder if he can do those things when it really matters. And, Obviously, you saw them play four games against the Raptors at the end of the season where they just didn't have an answer. They didn't have something else that they could do offensively, defensively. Defensively, they were good. But offensively, they just didn't have other things that they could do because they were leaning on all the things that they did during the regular season. And that is the question that lingers over this whole season. And like you said, you know, it's kind of an 82-game preseason, but we haven't really seen them experience or experiment, excuse me, with those other things thus far. And that to me is, you know, this team might have an even higher ceiling. It's incredibly high right now. This is a team I expect to represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. But that ceiling can go even higher if a guy like Dante pops, 
If I mean, honestly, a guy like Pat Connaughton, you played the highlights to start. He's still a young guy. He's only in his fourth NBA season. Maybe he pops, and all of a sudden you have someone that can take the ceiling of this team even higher. The ceiling of, of this team, I think, can go higher with those young guys. The floor will be incredibly high because of those veterans that are playing right now. But seeing those young guys kind of get infused into everything that they do, that's where this team can be a little bit different and, and maybe even go a little bit higher. Well, you know me, I'm big on Giannis and his free throws. That's been a, just a sticking point for me for a while. And it cost. And I, I got criticized last year, but, hey, I was right because it ended up costing them in the postseason. I mean, he was he couldn't hit a free throw. and just Those are just deflators when he's missing them. He was 4 of 8 last night at the free throw line. He was practicing after the game last night in his sweat clothes. Um, what does he say about this? What, why can't he? I mean, because he's such a good player, and if he's going to draw contact, and that's the ball player he is, why can't he get over the hump on the free throws? Or do we just have to live with that? I mean, I don't think you have to live with it because we've seen him at various times in his career shoot 70-plus percent, 75%. And again, that's not perfect. You you obviously want to be in that 80% range. Like, that's where the the truly great players, the truly great free throw shooters are. But 70% is acceptable. So we know that he can do that. We've seen him do that. But like you said, during the playoffs last year, it was closer to 60%. This year, at the start of the season, it's been uh, in that 60% range again, and it's not good enough. Like, it has to be better. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, as we talk about his jump shot getting better and all that improving – I I do wonder, one thing that I've always questioned is I don't like long routines at the free throw line. Like, that, that's just not something I like where you take, like, a lot of dribbles and you take a long time. I'm, I've always been, you know, just in my head, I think it's better if it's just deep breath, one dribble, two dribble, set yourself, take a free throw. There's a lot of times where Giannis is, like, four dribbles in real exaggerated deep breaths. And, I mean, it's for the, almost the entirety of his career, it's been a 10-second, sometimes 10-plus second experience at the free throw line for every free throw. I mean, going back to even when Jason Kidd was the coach, the NBA called the Bucks and were like, hey, you got to do something about Giannis' free throw routine. It's taking too long. Like, it's taking 10-plus seconds. So that's always something that made me uncomfortable. And I understand with as hard as he goes, he wants to take a breath and make sure that, he has his, you know, wits about him, and he's ready to take take this free throw. But I just think the longer routine you have, the more things that you can screw up, the less repeatable that it is, and, and that's what you want at the free throw line. And as he's changing his jump shot, I think all those things have changed along the way. When you talk to him about it, he says, you know, I just have to make them right. Like I, I go to the free throw line. I know what I'm doing there. I know what my routine is, and you know, I just have to. If I miss one, I have to put it out of my head. But that really hasn't worked thus far. So uh, for all of the times that he's incredibly insightful about his process, what he's looking for uh, as a passer, what he's looking for when he drives, what he's looking for defensively, he's really good at those things. So those answers that he gives you are really insightful and honest. But the free throw line, I, I've, I've never been able to crack him on that one. That, that just isn't one that – he really gives you a ton of insight. He just says, you know, I have to be better. I have to make them, which is true. It's honest. He does have to make them, but it does really give you very little light into how he is doing as a free throw shooter and, and what he's doing at the line. Because he's so good at taking guys off the dribble, and it's such an important yep. part of his game. I would, I mean, I would take, if you had to say, okay, should Giannis become a better free throw shooter or develop a jump shot, I would take the free throw shooter 
over the hitting a 20-footer every day because where he makes his bread and butter and helping his team is getting to the lane. If he's going to get hacked and he, and he splits his free throws, that's not doing anybody any good. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to be one of the league leader in free throws, you want to be able to capitalize mm-hmm. on yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the keys to Giannis's efficiency is how often he gets to the line and how many free throws he takes. So you, you want to take full advantage of it. And I know we've heard Steve Novak say as much on Bucks broadcast. And, I mean, that's a guy that really shoots it from the three-point line. And, and he, even he's like, yeah, free throw. Like, you want him to be able to knock down those free throws. If he can can those free throws, he becomes a much better player. That, and, and, I mean, if you're talking about the differences for great players and how they get that little bit of an edge, you know, you're talking two free throws a game. That's the difference between 27 and 29 points a game. And, and that can be that next step for an MVP-type player like Giannis. The uh, fouling out, is that something that's going to stay with him? I know some of these these calls on him have not been MVP calls. They haven't even been, like, scrub calls. I think he's getting the shaft a little bit. Is that going to be something that he needs to work on, too? He's fouled out of two games already. So the, the first one in Houston uh, – I'd, people were really mad at me because I, I tweeted out that, you know, it looked like he pushed Capel in the back, and there wasn't a lot of contact there. And I, this is a really bad thing to say because I, I'm a terrible basketball player and I'm not on the same level of Giannis. But if people don't think that's a foul, I would love to play pickup with them because I will grab every rebound. If I can bump you and, like, bump you under the rim like that, I will grab every rebound and you'll be furious because I will never jump and I will grab every rebound because like you, you're making a clear advantage. Like he fouled Clint Capella. If he's not there, Clint Capella gets a dunk. And I, I, I don't know. To me, if you stop someone from getting a dunk by doing something with your body, it's a foul. Whether or not he shoved him, he made a ton of contact, whatever he did, he fouled them. That one was, was a foul. The Dragish one was terrible. Like that is flat out ridiculous. Like you cannot punish Giannis for being the most intimidating and physically dominant player in the league. That's not his fault. It's not his fault that the Heat made terrible switches and got Gordon Dragic out. That that is not his fault. But what all of this can comes down to is controlling all the other all the other fouls. And Pat Connaughton called a number of their fouls stupid. Uh, Giannis called some of them lazy. Like. Any time Giannis follows someone in transition, he's got to get rid of it. Like we know that when he goes to the basket, there's probably going to be about five times a night where the officials can call a block or a charge. And sometimes that means there'll be no calls. Sometimes that means there's charge. Sometimes that means there's blocks. But you have to prepare and be ready for all five of those to go against you. And now that there's coaches' challenges there's going to be a bunch of these challenges where it's block charge on Giannis and teams try to get a cheap one on him. So he has to be ready for that, which means he has to control all the other ones. He has to control all the reaches. He has to control anything else that isn't absolutely necessary to him blocking a shot or dunking a basketball. Like if there's anything else there, like he has to keep his hands off. And, and we saw Bud just go crazy about that in the last couple of games. They averaged 29 and a half fouls in the first two games. They averaged, they had 15 fouls last night. And you could see that that was an emphasis. And when you asked any of the players, I asked George Hill, I was like, I'm guessing you guys heard something about the fouls in the last couple of days because you cut them in half tonight. 
And George just kind of smiled at me, and he's like, yeah, we heard about that once or twice from Bud. That's the stuff they have to control. They can control that, and it's a huge deal to Bud, and it's a huge deal to Giannis that he doesn't pick up any silly ones because there's going to be ones that go against them that aren't great calls. Eric name, Eric underscore N E H M on Twitter. Our guy Tuesdays, eight 35 here on the fan names. You appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks names. All right. Love you. Talk to you next week. Love you too. Chuck. Yeah. I love the names. Say it to, Oh no. I... Yeah. Names. Jamal Velasquez. Yes, Matt oh, Velasquez will join us it's day tomorrow. Early. Yeah, yeah, nine o'clock. So I'm at the game last night. Uh, nine o'clock today. We're going to talk to Brian Scalabrini, one of our Radio.com Sports NBA insiders, and I want to ask him this question. This came in here from Ram on Twitter at 105.7 FM, the Fan. He says, "So, do you really think the Bucks are a top three NBA team and had a good free agency 2019?" I'm saying a flat no. You lost at home to the Heat with Jimmy Butler out. Giannis still can't shoot free throws and field goals. What did he do over the summer? Summer just dunks. Guys, relax. None of these games matter. You can't tell after three games who the best team in the NBA is. I'll tell you one thing. I've made this one determination about the NBA. Maybe Golden State doesn't make the postseason. Well, they won last night. They're back on track. Yeah. I don't know. They're they're boy. I saw them the other night against Oklahoma City, and they looked awful. Well, they've got the worst four to fifteen on a roster oh, ever. God. So they've got Russell and is... Curry and Draymond and the rest of the team. I, you know, I love the Warriors. I don't even know who half these dudes Man, are. This is back to nineteen ninety five with these guys. Russell Westbrook would take them to the playoffs. We're not doing that today. Well, he, they need more than that. It's the truth, though. He's a top. You've been waiting to slam Steph Curry. For a while. Well, everybody bashed Russell Westbrook when he took the Oklahoma City Thunder to the sixth seed in the West and won an MVP, and that's and I'm told that Steph Curry is a top five player in the NBA, but the Warriors are going to miss out on the playoffs, so just kind of crazy. Yeah, they ain't boy. missing the playoffs. I'll tell you. They They'll could, be fine. Man, they need some help. They'll be fine. Need some help. Jordan Poole's knocking down threes last night. Milwaukee guy. Yeah. Oh, they'll be fine. Oh, God. They'll be fine. You're right. Westbrook had Nick Collison. Saw them. Ah, he did, yeah. I crushed it and home Dennis by Schroeder. Crushed, oh, yeah. crushed at home by the Clippers. Steven Adams carried those teams. Yep. Yep. He, he averaged that. the triple double. Not, yeah. not Russ. Uh, Thabos Cephalosha. Love him, actually. Big Cephalosha guy. Great perimeter defender. What about that guy who, who's the guy that plays shooting guard that plays 35 minutes a night and has two points? Andre Robertson. Oh, God. Is yeah. he still in the league? I don't know. <laughs> he, he carried those teams. It's Chuck and Winkler. So we'll talk to Brian Scalabrini. Uh, Scalabrini coming up. We'll ask him about that, the Bucks top three in the league. Well, they definitely are. Well, but it doesn't, like, I would just say, like I said before, watch these games, enjoy these games, talk about these games, but if the Bucks lose to the Heat without Jimmy Butler, that should not be on your mind three days later. Hey, San Antonio's 3-0, and but are they a top five team in the NBA? Oh. Of course not. The Bucks, all they need to get, all they really need to do is win 39 games and get the eight seed. That's really all that matters. I'm well, not I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't go that I'm much. I'm not even kidding. Certain, no, that's that's only, you still got to play some good basketball. Well, they'll play good basketball in April. Play, play, no, I mean I don't think one of those things you turn it on. You just no, you want to play good basketball. Is it necessary to get 60 wins? I'd I'd go there, but 39 wins. Let's still give. Uh, let's still some place of good basketball out there. Brian Scalabrini, Radio.com Sports next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.